Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Bible Lab, the podcast where we explore major themes from every book of the Bible in order to see how each page points us to Jesus, who he is and what he's done. I'm your host, Andy Wood. Thank you for joining me. Friends, this is our fourth episode as we're exploring the Gospel of John. And so let's jump right in. Today, our theme for consideration is this. John makes clear that Jesus fulfilled the old and brought the new. When I say old and new, I'm speaking, of course, of the old and new covenants. You'll often hear it taught that Matthew is a gospel written for the Jewish people. And there's certainly a, a huge degree of truth in that. So there's not, no, no one's lied to you if they've said that to you. But the danger of saying it like that is that only Matthew was concerned with Jewish matters and the other gospel writers were writing to other people. But I would argue that John is less explicitly concerned with Old Testament and Jewish expectations. But if you look at what John is doing under the surface, he is just as concerned with showing the fulfillment of the story that begins in the Old Testament as any gospel writer. So John shows us how Jesus brought in the expected messianic abundance in fulfillment of the Old Testament. John doesn't quote scripture verbatim like Matthew did. You know, Matthew, like 11 times, you know, says this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets or this took place to fulfill what was written by the prophets. John makes it very clear that Jesus is continuing and fulfilling the story of the Old Testament. For example, John demonstrates that it's Jesus who is the new temple. So in John chapter 2, when Jesus goes to Jerusalem and he's standing in the temple, they're pointing out how magnificent and ornate and how impressive it is. Here's what Jesus says. Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it's taken 46 years to build this temple and you're going to raise it in three days? So it's a ludicrous claim. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Remember our idea about typology, that typology is taking a real person or place or event in the Old Testament and showing how it foreshadows or previews or points to the fulfillment of that type. We call it the anti-type in the New Testament, most typically in Jesus, and how Jesus not only fulfills but exceeds the type in the Old Testament. So Jesus is a greater temple than any human being could build with stones or gold. In fact, Jesus is what the temple had been pointing to all along, God dwelling amongst his people. John shows us that Jesus is the one who would be lifted up, just like the bronze snake. Anybody thinking, bronze snake? Well, in Numbers 21, the people of Israel are in the wilderness, and they are unfortunately complaining again. And so God sends poisonous snakes amongst them, and they are bitten by these snakes, and people are dying. And so God tells Moses, take a bronze snake, put it on a pole, lift it up, and if anyone is bitten by a serpent, look at the bronze snake and live. It's a very odd story. And Jesus comes along, and when he's teaching a man named Nicodemus, Jesus says this, John 3, 14 and 15, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. So the temple was always about Jesus. This little throwaway story in the book of Numbers is all about Jesus. The entire Old Testament is all about Jesus. 
John also shows us how Jesus was the one and only Son. If you remember in our last episode about Jesus being the Son of God, you remember that we said that title, Son of God, could be used of Israel as a nation, about angels, about individual kings, but how Jesus is the ultimate and unique Son of God. And we're going to talk about that again. Because in Hosea 11.1, it says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. So in a sense, Israel as a corporate nation is the son of God, his special beloved son. But in an even greater sense, Jesus is the son of God. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. How else does Jesus bring the story of the Old Testament to completion and fulfill the Old Covenant? Well, he's a healer of the lame. Isaiah 35, 6, we'll read several passages from Isaiah 35 here, just as a quick side note. Isaiah is here speaking about what it will be like when the Messiah comes. So Isaiah 35, 6 says, when the Messiah comes, then shall the lame man leap like the deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. Well, what do we see in John 5, 8, 9? Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. He's a healer of the lame. He's a healer of the blind. Isaiah 35, 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. John 9, 6, and 7. What does Jesus do? Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means scent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. He is a healer of the lame. He's a healer of the blind. Jesus is the good shepherd. We talked about how in the Old Testament, God often calls the leaders, the kings, the wealthy, the the leaders of Israel are called shepherds, and they've been doing a bad job. Ezekiel 34, 1 through 10 says this, The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who've been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourself with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, the injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Oh, friends, can you not see every single thing that we just said the bad leaders don't do? The gospel show us Jesus doing He strengthens the weak hands. He heals the sick. He heals and binds up the injured. He came to seek and save those who have strayed. He seeks the lost and he rules over us with gentleness. He's meek and mild, gentle in heart. Back to Ezekiel verse five. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, Hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. Well, what do we read in John chapter 10? I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Jesus is that true shepherd, and he's also the true vine. Isaiah 5, 7, the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. But Jesus says, I am the true vine. The idea of Israel as a vine, yes, there was fruit and that there was a purpose for that image, but the ultimate fulfillment of that image is in Jesus himself. Also, we're not going to go back and recover this, but in our first episode from John, we talked about how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament festivals like Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Booths. And despite all that Jesus did and all that he said, showing and displaying that he is the fulfiller of the Old Testament, he was still rejected by the Jews. Now, John, as an author, loves to use binary options, life, death, light, darkness, faith, rejection. And in John, tragically, many reject Jesus, but there are glimmers of hope because some believe. John 1, 11, and 12, he came to his own and his own people did not receive him, but to all who did receive him. So, so some small subset of all Jews did receive him who believed in his name. He gave the right to become children of God. And given who John has shown Jesus to be, these are the only two options, either faith or rejection. So Jesus fulfills the story of the Old Testament, but how does he bring the new in? Well, he is the bringer of the new covenant. Jesus' first miracle, changing water into wine, was way more than just a miracle. I've heard teaching Friends, of every stripe on this changing water into wine, uh, some people want to use this as a proof text that we can drink, and some people have tried to argue that the, the wine of the ancient world didn't have enough alcohol, so this is not evidence that you can drink alcohol and Christians shouldn't drink. And friends, that is a masterclass. Both of those types of sermons and teachings are a masterclass in missing the point. Friends, this is way more than just a miracle. The Jews expected the new covenant age that the Messiah would bring in. They thought it would be like a banquet, like the greatest party you've ever been to. And Jesus's first miracle took place at a banquet. Now, the expectation of every wedding was that there would be a lot of wine at a banquet. And they get that from the Old Testament, because when the Old Testament would talk about the Messianic age, they used images of an abundance of wine. For example, Amos 9, 11-13. In that day, the day of the Messiah, I will raise up the booth of David that has fallen and repair its breaches and raise up ruins and rebuild it as in days of old that they may possess the remnant of Eden and all the nations who are called by my name, declares the Lord who does this. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes him who sows the seed. The mountains shall drip sweet wine, and the hills, all of them, shall flow with it. So when Jesus changes the water into wine, he is signaling that the new covenant age is here. There is an abundance of wine. Remember, there, there are six stone jars, each of them holding 20 or 30 gallons. We're talking about hundreds of gallons of the best wine anyone's ever had. Jesus is bringing in the abundance 
of the new covenant era. And his disciples, when they see this, they begin to understand what he's doing. John 2.11, this, the first of his signs, turning the water into wine, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. Jesus is bringing in the new covenant, which is better than the old covenant. Because remember what the steward says when he drinks this wine that Jesus made? He says to the bridegroom, not knowing where it came from, everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, aka are drunk, then the poor wine, because they can't taste the difference. But you have kept the good wine until now. So Jesus is the bringer of the new covenant. He's also the bringer of true revelation. So just like Jesus brings in a new covenant, Jesus brings to us the ultimate and final revelation of God. Remember that between the writing of Malachi and the birth of Jesus, we we call it the 400 years of silence. God has not spoken to his people through a prophet in 400 years, but now God doesn't just send another prophet. He sends the ultimate word, the word made flesh to his people. Because unlike the prophets, Jesus doesn't receive his information secondhand. You go read the prophets and almost everything that they say, they start like this. The Lord said to me to tell you. The Lord said to me to say this. No, Jesus says, I didn't get this from somebody else who heard it from somebody else. John 3, 31 to 33. He who comes from above, Jesus, is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, and yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. So not only is Jesus from heaven, but he actually has the Spirit. Just like me and you as a Christian, we have the Spirit. Jesus had the Spirit, and he had it in a way greater than the prophets from the Old Testament had it. He whom God has sent utters the word of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. And since Jesus had the Spirit like that, he could perfectly reveal God to the people. Friends, you and I, flawed and sinful as we are, we can't perfectly reveal God to people the way that Jesus can. But if we will live in step with the Spirit, people will not see us. They'll see God through us, God at work in us, And they will believe the words of our testimony that Jesus is God. Jesus is worthy of worship. So let's live by the Spirit. Let's live in step with the Spirit. Let's speak the word of God in confidence that God can do mighty miracles and bring spiritually dead people to life through faith in Jesus. So the next time we come back together, Lord willing, that's exactly what we're going to talk about, how Jesus has provided a way for fallen man to be saved. But for now, my friends, take up and read. God bless.